life comes at you hard and you've got to keep fighting and you've got to have perseverance, but sometimes it comes after you so hard and takes away everything that you love in such a mean, aggressive way that you almost want to quit. This show is about grit. We don't quit. We make things better and we change lives. And that's what we're going to talk about next with Jason Sanders. This is a dash of grit recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things. Now podcasting from Spire to leaders in local communities like yours. Here is Brian Leflock. And let's get cooking. I am so excited to share with you our guest for Dash of Grit today. There is a lot of grit that goes into working at a university, being a law student, making it as a law student, and being a foster parent. And I, I, I the, the adoption world and foster parent world is close to my heart. I've got um, some experience there. I know how hard it is. Uh, someday I'll share my story if anyone ever wants to interview me. But until then, Let's talk to Jason Sanders. Jason is the Director of Gift and Estate Planning at Cleveland State University. He's also a law student, and I'm so thrilled to congratulate him for being a brand new foster father. Jason, welcome to Dash of Grit. Thank you, Brian. Uh, Thank you for the introduction. Excited to be here. Um, And just as a quick aside, I am from the South, um, so I absolutely love all things grit and grit related. So I'm excited to be here. Very good. I like that. I, I've, I've heard people say a lot of different things about grit, but that's the first I've, and that's probably <laughs> the most important one is the, the Southern grits. So that's good. Right. thanks for bringing that in. I appreciate that. So Jason, this show is all about grit and you've overcome a lot of things in your life. And we're going to talk about those, but if you can, let's talk about success. Let's talk about what's good for Jason Sanders right now. Uh, you start this brand new job at Cleveland state and you're doing amazing things. Tell me, I know you don't want to, but pat yourself on the back a little bit. Things are good. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, what a blessing, right? So um, I have the opportunity every day to work with some of the most kind and generous people throughout Northeast Ohio, um, throughout the country, really, our alums and supporters of Cleveland State University um, who come together uh, with one goal in in common, and that's uh, transforming the lives of students through higher education. And so through my work, I am there um, as a facilitator Um, I work with our donors and supporters to facilitate all types of planned giving vehicles. So whether that's um, gifts through someone's will or a trust or life insurance or, you know, donor advised fund, whatever the case may be, I'm there to serve as a resource and help facilitate that type of giving to the university in support of our students, hopefully so we can change some lives. Yeah. And, and, and changing those lives is so evident and you can see the, the money that's so necessary to do that flowing through. I'm wondering, I've, I just never knew it. People love to give, people love to give to things that they love. Is your job kind of simple and fun or is there a lot of hard work that goes into making that transaction happen? I'm going to give you the law student answer and that um, it depends. Okay. Right? Uh, <laughs> Thanks. Thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, There's a lot of work that definitely goes into it. Um, But I think at the end of the day, when you have passion about a philanthropic interest, right? Um, My life was forever changed by higher education. It completely redirected the trajectory that I was on. Um, And so when I meet with donors and people who uh, 
are just as passionate about higher education as I am. I'm able to share my story. And that story, coupled with the need of students today, really makes supporting that need with financial resources such an easy conversation to have. Yeah. Um, but it can be it, it can be challenging. I mean, with the world, I mean, not just Ohio, not just the United States, but the world is going through um, a global pandemic, and, and everyone is struggling in some way. Um, and so, you know, there's certainly challenges. Um, especially for our students too. And so I'm just happy to be able to help facilitate some good. Yeah. And, and I love that your focus is on the students. It's, it's not about bricks and mortar and it's not about teachers and it's not about salaries. And I know that that's what dollars go for, but it's for the benefit of students and programming and educational opportunities and things of that sort. So that is definitely on your heart. And I know that it is also as a foster parent. And I want to get into that, uh, the grit that it takes. And I know it's personal. Um, to bring children into your family uh, in their best interest. And I want to talk about that, but let's, let's go back a little bit further. We talk about how higher education changed your life. I'm interested in how you got to this point and, and hurdles that you had to overcome. Let's talk about grit along the way for Jason Sanders. Yeah. So um, I came from a family um, at the time I was born in early childhood. Uh, my dad had just gotten out of the military. He served in the Marines um, and, him and my mother were both working civil service. So we were a moderate middle income family, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, and somewhere around my, my middle school years, um, in the midst of um, the base realignment and closures in the mid nineties, um, some things happened, caused some shifting with employment and long story short, one thing led to another and it just wasn't working out professionally for my parents. And so as a result, we ended up in uh, bankruptcy. Okay. So as, as I got through high school, um, you know, they, they just weren't a financial resource, especially when it came time for college. And I didn't, I think, fully understand the importance of scholarship support. Um, I just kind of thought, well, if you, if you do all the right things and, and you're a good person, it's going to be there and it's going to happen. And, um, I don't think I really equated, you know, how good your grades have to be uh, to earn, earn a scholarship, for example. So I was very involved in high school. I played two sports and I did all of these different activities. Uh, I worked part time to save money for a car. Um, I think that kind of, you know, it, it affected my grades a little bit. I was a solid B plus student. I wasn't a, a bad student at all, but. Know, it was what it was. So anyway, I graduated high school and I decided I'm going to work full time at the local grocery store just to uh, try to save some money. And of course, that wasn't happening. Right. Right. And, there's uh, movies to go to. There's dances to go to. There's gas for the car. Right. Yeah, I know. That's right. Exactly. So um, I'm saving money the best I can. And one day I'm, I'm in the store working and Miss Lambert walks in. Now, Miss Lambert uh, was an elementary school teacher, and uh, I grew up in Alabama. So this is Fife, Alabama, a small town of a thousand people. She was an elementary school teacher. She was never one of my teachers. She was never in her class. But it being a town of a thousand people, you just you know everybody. And she says, "Why? Why are you working and not taking classes?" 
And I said, well, I, we're broke. I can't afford it. I'm trying to save money. And she said, well, you have too much talent to, to not be taking classes. And she pulls out a sheet of paper and she writes down the name and number of the scholarship coordinator at the local community college. And she says, you call her and you hound her every single day until she gives you a scholarship. And I don't know what it was, but I took those words literally. And every day for six weeks, I called this woman and begged for a scholarship. You really did? I don't believe you. You did that? Yes. Every single day, I would call every day. Um, And finally, I called one day and she said, Jason, I have some great news. Uh, we've had a student who was on scholarship that is, is moving on. And so it frees up their scholarship. Um, you've demonstrated the qualities of a leader by calling every single day. <laughs> so we're going to award you a leadership scholarship. It's full tuition for two years. Congratulations. You've earned it. Don't call me again. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it was because of your persistence? She saw your persistence. Obviously, your grades were never that good and you didn't have the resume. And the, but yet she saw your persistence and said, this kid deserves a chance. I think so. I, wow. I think that was it. Um, I, you know, I don't know too many people that every single day for six weeks would have made that phone call. Um, yeah, I've shared that story before with people and, you know, maybe someone will call once, maybe they'll call once a week, but every day for six weeks is a lot. Um, and um, luckily it paid off. I mean, when you look at the return on investment, right? I mean, yeah. Two years of, of tuition for what amounted to a five minute phone call every single day was, was well worth the investment. Yeah. And, and when, when, what was her name? Mrs. Lambert? Is that right? Miss Lambert was the, Lambert. the teacher that gave me the yeah. number. Uh, Susan Barron was the scholarship coordinator at the community college. Her husband was Lowell Barron, who was a, a state senator in Alabama. When, when Miss Lambert came to you and said, you need to be doing this, what did she see? in you and and did you want to go to college at the time or were you just resigned to the fact that it just wasn't for you you know i i often wonder what she saw in me um huh. i think teachers sometimes have that innate ability my wife's the teacher um and they can see potential um it's hard for me to see it um i remember a time my <laughs> In ninth grade, one of my teachers, we did one of those assessment tests, and um, she calls me to her desk, and she says, Jason, I want you to see your score here. This score of 100 out of 100 represents what you are capable of doing as a student. Hmm. And then she pulls up an actual test. And And this is what you're doing. The score score of 65 out of 100 is what you're doing. It's because there's a disconnect. Um, And so I think somehow I was able to demonstrate potential, but I've always been so caught up in um, life experiences and and enjoying life. And I've told you before, I I love living life and I think I'm awesome at it. Um, And so I I want to experience as much as possible. And I think that was part of my my downfall with my grades was I started off, I, I wanted to be in the band. And then I did bands for a couple of years and then I wanted to play football. And you don't often see people make that, that transition. And I said, both. well, I'm playing football. Yeah. I said, well, I've done football and now I want to do baseball and I want to do student government. And I want to have all these experiences. And if I like it, great. If I don't, 
a well. And uh, that kind of, that carried throughout college. Um, I transferred to a four-year. I was resigned at that point to taking out student loans. And the very first semester I was on campus, I was majoring in television production. And my professor said the football team was offering scholarship to anyone that knew how to work the video camera. Hmm. And so as soon as class ended, I walked over to the football office and I ended up getting a full ride scholarship all because I walked across campus and said, I'm interested. And again, how many people heard that and said, Oh, that would be interesting. But then they didn't walk over and they didn't follow up. Yeah. Um, and so then I graduate and now I'm, I'm working in college football in you know, early 20s and I want to go to graduate school and still can't afford it. So I identified 40 universities around the country and I wrote a letter to every single one of them and said, I would love to come be a graduate assistant um, at your university. I got three responses out of 40 letters. Uh, one was a no thank you and two were offers and then I went to Mississippi State University as a graduate assistant. You're you're a poster child for raising your hand and saying yes, I will do that. And, yeah. and 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 so many businesses and business leaders they find themselves at a crossroads and they say, do I do that or do I just stay where it's safe? I mean, someone told you to do the thing and you did the thing, and it sounds like you've done it two or three times. And like you said, just living life. What would you? I'm interested. Have you ever looked back? What if Miss Lambert? says that to you and you go, yeah, Miss Lambert, you're a little nuts. See you later. And you don't make those calls or you make the calls for three weeks and you quit. What does your life look like, Jason? And it, maybe you've, you're just doing something else. But at that time, can you share with me what you think might've happened had you not grabbed a hold of that opportunity and taken it? Yeah, I, um, I don't know. A part of me thinks maybe I'm still, um, living in Alabama. Mm. Um, and I, I, I loved growing up in Alabama. My family's still there. My wife is still there. So yeah. I'm always saying living in Alabama is a bad thing. Nope. Um, but I think I'm, I'm probably still in Alabama. Um, as I was going through college, I had a, a nice um, part-time gig working as a, a stringer covering high school football um, that quickly parlayed into covering Alabama and Auburn football games. Okay. So I'm 18, 19 years old on the sidelines. Of That's a fun gig. College football games in the country. Yeah. Uh, so that was cool. So then on Friday nights, you know, I'm working in the grocery store Monday through Friday. And then Friday nights, I'm on the sideline of the high school football game with a camera and a notepad. And my name is in the paper on Saturday mornings. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so mm -hmm. I enjoyed that. Um, but uh, so maybe maybe that would have been the career trajectory. I don't know, um, but I, I I have a hard time thinking I would have ever followed through with college um, if it hadn't have been for Miss Lambert. And the reason I ask that because no one knows, but more than likely, when we make choices, there are consequences, good and bad. Had you not done that, you're probably not sitting here talking with me in Ohio, married to your wife, in this situation that you're in as a new foster parent, you, 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 you're probably, you're probably successful somewhere, Jason, but you're probably not doing this unless God's plan was here and he was going to put you on this path no matter what. Right. So, so tell me a little, let's, let's 
transition a little bit into your experience as a, as a foster father, because I know, and a foster family, because the grit that that requires both from you and the, the, the undertaking, but also from your, your children. I mean, there's so much that goes on that I don't think people understand, but it's also so wonderful. Can you share with me some of the, the some of the tough times, but, but I know those tough times lead to, to joy as well. So can we talk about that a little yeah. bit? Absolutely. Um, and I think the thing carries throughout. So um, in 2018, my wife and I, um, I guess actually it was 2017, uh, my wife and I learned that I was suffering from um, azoospermia, which is some type of male infertility. Um, essentially, no sperm is being produced, very mm-hmm. little. So 2018, uh, we were very fortunate. Um, her job had insurance that covered IVF treatments. So we we start doing IVF, but um, alas, it wasn't meant to be. Um, and so in the midst of all of that, um, we went through um, a pretty difficult time. My dad was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer in July of 2018. Um, and that was right after uh, he was diagnosed two weeks after we did our second IVF implant. Okay. Uh, and so it was kind of, we're riding a high. They had actually come up from Alabama to visit and they were in the car. We were on our way, taking them to Niagara Falls. And when the, uh, we had to go by the hospital and do the implant. So mm-hmm. we literally drive to the hospital, mom and dad stay in the car. My wife and I run upstairs. They do the, the implant of the fertilized eggs and we come back down, drive to New York. Um, wow. And it was so cute because we're driving to New York and my dad's like, honey, are you, are you talking to my wife? He's like, honey, are you feeling pregnant yet? And okay. <laughs> we're, we're 30 minutes into the car ride. Uh, sure, why not? That's the way it works. Yeah. Yeah. Like a microwave yeah. oven. <laughs> yeah. So we get back from this trip and he goes to the doctor when he gets back to Alabama. And that's when they inform him of the, the lung cancer. And thankfully, they they knew before the trip, but they didn't want to mm. spoil the, the fun that we had planned. So um, he was diagnosed right after that trip in July. Uh, the first week of September, my wife miscarried at eight or, eight or nine weeks. Mm. Um, and it was trouble with, again, the, the sperm that my body was producing. Um, believe it or not, the doctor said the sperm weren't mature enough which uh, got some great laughs from my wife and I. Uh, And then my father passed away three weeks after the miscarriage. So that was a really, really tough time. That's Um, a tough road. Um, We found out in December of 2018, the the doctors were recommending to stop the IBS, but it was causing too much damage to my body with the procedures they had to do. So, from September 2018 to December 2018, uh, we lost our only pregnancy. We lost my father to lung cancer. And then we learned that we lost our ability to have biological kids. Um, so we go into 2019 with uh, the focus of taking a, a pause and a deep breath. Yeah. Just figuring out what's next. Um, and we made a commitment to each other that at the end of 2019, 
we would come back and have a conversation about what we saw, um, the direction of our family. So through, through, throughout 2019, we would occasionally, you know, check in, hey, where are you at or whatever. Um, and I think we both started with um, the idea that maybe adoption was going to be our next step. Mm-hmm. But as we investigated adoption and fostering, we both, separate from each other, um, became more drawn to the idea of fostering because of the impact that it can have on so many more children. More children. Okay. So we learned about, uh, you know, anytime a child is, is removed from the home, there's a, there's a trauma there. Um, they're being taken away from mom, dad, both either or. Um, and that's a traumatic experience for a child. When you are in a situation where you don't have foster families available in that child's community to then take them in, then that child is likely going to suffer the additional trauma of being uprooted from their school, their friends, and the community that they call home. Mm -hmm. And so as Amy and I learned about this, we just really saw an opportunity to kind of have the best of both worlds to redefine family um, from a a biological bloodline to to something of family is is who we want it to be. It's who we love and who we value in our lives. Um, You know, I have my best friend, uh, I, I consider a brother and a family member more so than I have actual blood relatives. Um, and so as we thought about all of this, we thought, man, what a great way to really have a family uh, and make an impact in the world at the same time. Um, and quite honestly, it gives us the ability to have a family larger than we ever imagined. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm, I'm, I'm interested in. So how does that, how does that feel? Do you know how that will feel at the definition of foster is they're not, forever in your home when they're somewhere else you still feel that they're your family if you if you're if they're in a different state like how how do you how do you kind of deal with the idea that they're not always going to be there with you yeah uh my best friend tim i'm going to use him as an example um we might go six months at a time without talking Hmm. Uh, we've certainly gone three or four years without seeing each other but at a moment's notice, if I needed him, he'd be here and vice versa. Uh, and so he actually came up twice to visit us in Cleveland this year. Um, still lives in Alabama. It was my wife's 40th birthday. So that was, the, he made two trips within a, a one month period because he had specific time and then he also wanted to be there for her birthday. And so that's how we kind of see, see family going. We want what's best for the child. And so when the child comes in, our job, our goal is to give them a loving, safe, and stable environment while the biological family is doing what they need to do to be reunified with the children. And I think if, if every one of us just took a moment and thought about that for a second, we would, we would say, that, you know, the the best interest of the child is generally speaking 
going to be with mom and dad, the biological family. Right. Um, and so by keeping that in mind and knowing that the need is for that loving, safe, stable place until that happens, it helps define the relationship. Um, I mean, I, we absolutely love the two children that um, are in our care right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but because we love them, we want what's best for them, which is for the biological family to do what they need to do to be reunified with them. You know, one of the things about this show is that I think, I hope that it's inspiring to people to take that next step and do that next thing, regardless of what we're talking about. We're talking about entrepreneurship or, or uh, starting a business or moving on to a different world, whatever it might be. Um, what would you say, what should someone be thinking about if they're listening to this now going, wait, that might be for me. How might they know that this is something that they might want to do as well to impact the world as a foster parent? What would you, what would your advice be to these folks? What might be the first step? Yeah. I mean, I think the first step is just having that conversation with yourself. I mean, do what do you ask yourself? Is this something that, that tugs at your heart? I mean, when you hear about children in need, um, does something inside of you say, yeah, there's a child in need and and how can I help? Mm. Um, And it's something as simple as just opening your home and loving the child and giving them an amazing experience until they're reunified. And I don't, I don't want to make this sound all sugarcoaty and lovey-dovey and because it is very challenging. Uh, There are difficult times. Um, but you know that going in and if you prepare yourself for it and you, you remind yourself that at the end of the day, uh, we're starting here and the goal is to get here and here is reunifying the child with their biological family. So let's take it a day at a time and do what we have to do to make sure that the children are having a great experience. Phenomenal. What an amazing way to look at parenthood. You know, if, if they're your biological children, all you want is what's best for them. If it's your adopted son or daughter, all you want is what's best for them. If it's your foster children, all you want is what's best for them. And, and what's best for them might not be living with you forever. Right. And, and, and that doesn't make it hard, does it? That actually feels like love. Absolutely. It feels like love. Um, and it's, it's loving the child and their best interest. And that doesn't mean like you won't be there for them. I mean, the two children in our care right now will be welcome in our home, in our lives, anytime they ever want to be. Um, It would make us so thrilled in, you know, 20 years from now when they're grown and they have their own families to receive a card or a phone call or an invitation to to get together over the holidays or or whatever the case may be. Um, Just to know that we were able to do something in their lives that was memorable and positive um, is the ultimate goal. Jason, I knew this was going to happen. I'm, I've run out of time. This is the most fascinating <laughs> topic to me, uh, but I'm interested. You did, we, uh, I, we were, you did create a video recently, um, a video about your story. And, and the purpose of that was to help other people see kind of a day in life and the things that you've gone through. Can you tell me a little bit about that and maybe how people uh, might view it and, and what they should expect there? I'd, I'd love for people to tune over from here and watch that from here. 
Absolutely. So I was uh, went through leadership program, leadership in Dinah County. We had a uh, committee together. And through this committee, one of the things we did was we, we put together a documentary that kind of followed my wife and I through the process. And we hope to illustrate what that process looks like, um, what someone who is thinking about becoming a foster parent might go through. Um, understand that it is different for every single person. Our experience, the reasons we decided to become foster parents are going to be completely different from anybody else's. Um, but it's just to give you a glimpse. Um, I can tell you that it is uh, some of the most rewarding things uh, my wife and I have ever done. It is challenging, um, but to, to bring in a child to your home who is six years old and doesn't know their alphabet, um, and then in two months having seen them learn their alphabet um, is, is super special. And that's something that, that we're always going to cherish. So if you would like to see the video, go on YouTube, uh, go to, if you search for Medina County Job and Family Services, there are three videos uploaded on their channel. Two of them are promo videos that we did, kind of teasing, and then there's the 15-minute documentary. Yeah, and it's an amazing show, and, and, I, and I think most people, I imagine, and maybe you went through this too, I, I went through it in my life a little bit, you get an idea, and you say, ah, nah. That's not for me. That's never going to work. And yet, when you give it a chance, I think when God puts that on your heart, he's not going to go away, especially with something that has to do with his children. And so um, this video, I think, helps people to see, okay, this is what it's all about. And maybe before they make a decision, yes or no, they can watch that and say, okay, yeah or no, this is or isn't for me. And that's so helpful. I'm glad you were able to do that. Well, thank you. And uh, as you go out and you look for this video, I'm not going to ruin the surprise, but you may recognize an amazing voice associated <laughs> with this video as well. Um, and if you do, why don't you send in a message and let us know who you hear? It might be great to see. You know, you're like the third person today that said, hey, you know, that's an amazing voice. And every time I answer with nobody pays me for this amazing. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Someday, sooner or later, someone's going to pay me to do something amazing with my voice. It just doesn't work that way. I am so thrilled to have been a part of that. I'm thrilled to have met you. And um, I'm thrilled for the difference that you're making in people's lives. I think, I think mission and passion, when they're right, when they're clicked in, man, nothing yeah. can stop you. And the whole time I talked with you, it was never about Jason and his wife, Amy. It was always about those children. And, and from the very beginning, and even in your current position at uh, Cleveland State, it's how, how can I help kids? And I think that's phenomenal. And thank you very much for your effort. And thank you for being vulnerable and sharing your story of grit here on Dash of Grit. Wonderful. Well, thank you for having me, Brian. And I look forward to staying in touch. Speaking of staying in touch, Jason, real quick, if someone wanted to talk with you about the foster situation or even about Cleveland State or anything, you know, living life wonderfully, if they want to talk to you about that, are you okay if they reach out to you? And, and I'm assuming so. How would they reach out to you? Yeah, I'm going to give you, um, I would love to hear from you. So I will put out, um, I'm going to put out my personal email address because it's so difficult to actually say my, my work email address. Um, and actually they're both kind of difficult, but my personal email is the one J son S U N at gmail.com. So T H E O N E J S U N at gmail.com. 
my editors will probably put that on the bottom there because otherwise, you know, someone's driving right now trying to write it down and it's just not going to work, but it'll be on the video if anybody wants to see it. <laughs> yeah. Picture, picture the J and if the J and the sun emoji, this is kind of my little brand. Um, I love it. So that's how I got J sun out of it. Well done. Everyone needs a brand. And yours is sparkling. So Jason, thank you so much for being on the show. I really do appreciate it. Folks, this is A Dash of Grit. We do it every week. Uh, it's a presentation of Spire Marketing. If you're looking for anything to help your business or your, your personal growth, uh, as far as marketing goes, yeah, maybe Spire can help. You can reach out to us and, and find out. Jason, thank you for being on the show. Good luck to you and everything that you do. And I, I just know you're going to touch lives for the rest of your life. And, and that's a wonderful mission to have. So thank you very much for everything that you're doing. Yeah. And thank you, Brian, for the opportunity to be on and uh, for everything that you're doing and, and helping highlight uh, grit and perseverance throughout the world. You got it. Thanks for saying it. And folks, we do this every week. Check our page to see past episodes. And until we meet again, remember that the recipe for success in life includes a dash of grit. See you next time. This is a dash of grit. Recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things.